Hello, podcasty people. I'm just checking sound levels and things for... We are set to be live in a second on everything else. I'm not currently live on YouTube, so I'm doing that, like, now. It's, it's the new world we've got to do that. Anyway, they can go live as I see viewers drop off going, Oh, he's not live. <laughs> I can't bloody click on everything at once. Right, go live in three, two... You don't, you don't need to count, though. And hello everybody, there's a tad of delay, I think I'm live now currently, I'm just checking that my lovely picture's gone up and it's all fine, I'm just going to click off the audio so I can definitely hear it, yeah, here we go. Right, I've got a slight issue where I'm a little bit quiet, so I'm going to move the microphone a little bit towards me, yes it's just the still image, it's 3am, you don't want to see me. <laughs> Currently the only camera I've got on me is my uh, new laptop and I've not, actually I've never used it, I don't know what it's like, uh, not that you really care. Anyway, uh, welcome to LOPR Aftershock for WWE Elimination Chamber 2020, the second Aftershock of the new decade and all of that jazz. Uh, we are, you can Tell me what you're thinking about the pay-per-view. I don't know really how I feel. <laughs> it's an odd one. Uh, if you're listening on the podcast version, you can click on the speech bubble. There's a little chatty thing there. If you're listening on YouTube, you know how to do it on YouTube. It's all over the place, the comment button, the live chat thing just get everything off your chest depending on how you're feeling if you're feeling anything because i'm in a really weird boat where i really don't know how i feel or anything so it's a elimination chamber it's a it's an odd one really like it's a really difficult show for me to grade because it was a b pay-per-view but it was the for me the perfect level of fun for b pay-per-view but it was nothing more than that so in terms of, like, it, like the only reason I'm, I'm a little bit uh, is because I'm staying up covering it. If I wasn't doing this, I would have just not stayed up and watched it the next day because it was a B pay per view. I'm English. I wouldn't stay up for that if I wasn't doing this gig. But it's like it's also like if you didn't know there's a WrestleMania in just four weeks' time, this show didn't really do anything to amp up the hype for that. Like it didn't really feel like oh god, it's only four weeks away. It just like kind of like. And the story continues, or the and the story gets going, kind of thing. Like there's only four episodes of Raw left, or four episodes of SmackDown, and then that's it. <laughs> then it's WrestleMania. It's like it's really weird. Like the stories that weren't featured on this show, like Randy Orton, Edge, Drew McIntyre, Brock Lesnar, um, those two, for example, like the biggest on Monday Night Raw, they've been done really well. Like <laughs> this pay per view did they, obviously because they weren't on it. It did nothing to kind of remind you of that fact, and it was pretty dead for quite a bit of it. Undertaker's pop got a massive reaction. Uh, the tag team chamber, did, I thought, got a really strong reaction. Um, Alistair Black AJ in parts. Um, Kevin Owens uh, got a decent reaction. But like a, a, from after the tag match, the crowd was pretty much dead for the majority of matches. Uh, only popping for the odd instant. Like The chamber match had some nice spots. The crowd were like popping for those chamber spots and then just dying back down again. Like Philadelphia were not loud, and reports coming from the live crowd is they were not treating it kindly, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, they were not that positive on the show. I was going to turn myself right up for the YouTube, because I am a bit quiet. So it was, it was an interesting one. I don't really know how to grade it. If I treat it purely like a B pay-per-view then I guess I give it a C or a B because it hit the level. For um, for me, for a B pay-per-view, that is perfectly fine. I'm not really going to complain that much. As a like overall type of thing in terms of like, the level of entertainment for the time investment, 
maybe against C to D. But then I'm not really expecting much more than a C to D for a throw together at the last minute pay per view on a like four weeks out from WrestleMania, one week out from a very negatively re- uh, received Saudi Arabia show, which a lot like all of SmackDown was focused on building to that. Suddenly, you've only got two SmackDowns to build to the Elimination Chamber. It's like, ugh, fine. It's a it's a B pay per view. I don't know what I I don't know how I feel, <laughs> especially as the ending that like, the crowd was so flat and. That didn't really help me decide if I was excited or not because I've just I've just come out of it thinking I'm not excited and I'm not like some people on Twitter where they're like oh god I'm so angry at that's the way that they booked that that wasn't right and and, I'm just, and some people are very heavily defending it and I don't feel like I'm on either side because I don't because mm. you see uh, obviously if we talk about the main event I'm just gonna jump towards that like I don't particularly. Like base training Basel was put on, put over extremely strongly in this match. They're choking out every single competitor with relative ease. Like Asuka was the most difficult. She's the one that Basel had the most difficulty with trying to put away. There were some nice uh, countering sequences uh, between the two, but as uh, she hit two moves and like uh, the slam thing, <laughs> I don't know what to call it. Gets them up on the shoulder. It was Chuck Palumbo's finisher. <laughs> Got them up on the shoulder or Hernandez <laughs> in TNA. Got them up on the shoulder and then rotate to slam them down. Like whatever that is, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I can't remember the name of the thing. Uh, which did that? Did a really another really stiff knee, and then locked in the choke, and that was the end of days for Asuka. But it that was the most competition. There were some decent like spots and moments. Like uh, Ruby Riot seemingly was taking part in quite a lot of the uh, more interesting spots. Uh, Natalia like power bombing her off of the wall of the cage was kind of cool. Uh, Liv Morgan took one big bump from Shayna Baszler where she like ragdolled her into the like side of a chamber pod that was like oh my god <laughs> that was painful but the crowd were seemingly dead for I, I thought it was just going to be the first portion of this match then when it was Shayna Baszler waiting around a lot I was like personally it's, for me that's a character building moment I was fine with that the live crowd didn't seem to dig it uh, it's a bit of a jarring difference, I guess, when you are doing a television program like that, and you come up with that idea. It can work, I think, but uh, for me, the unforeseen circumstance with this match was the previous three matches all getting pretty dead crowd reception. Like Philly were not that loud for this show, and I don't know if it's a testament to a lack of a build gives a lack of a reason to care, even if you put on a good match. Uh, but I mean, WWE have done this before and got a pretty strong reaction. But I guess my question is: Was this one show too many in a short span that also did it? Because uh, the one thing for me uh, going in is I wrote a pretty negative column previewing the show. Uh, I say negative, but when I was talking about the individual matches, I was still writing should be a great match. A shame about the build, though. And one thing that was evident was they were having decent matches. That They weren't bad matches that deserved the kind of quiet reaction they were getting, but there was no reason to care, really. Like, that was my feeling whilst I was watching it. It's like, yeah, they're having a good match, but I'm not invested in what's happening. I don't really care about the outcome. And that was the case for the entire show, really. It's like, yeah, this is enjoyable enough, but I'll be lying if I said I was invested in the characters. Uh, and really, for me, it's uh, probably more kind of jarring and apparent 
because I enjoyed like AW Revolution so much. Like I was really invested in not just like the enjoyment of having in the matches, but I was really invested in the uh, in the characters and the results of what was happening at AW Revolution. And you put that next to this pay per view. Even this was the first pay per view I watched since Revolution or around then because I didn't watch the Saudi show. <laughs> but this was the first pay per view like since then. It's Pretty jarring, like the level of investment in the characters is so jarring from what I was watching with AW Revolution and this one. Which, for a, when I'm comparing a thrown together at the last minute pay per view to one with months of build, of course there'd be a massive difference. Like, of course that would exist. I just, uh, it's just very apparent. Yes, there are reasons for why the pay per view was like this, but if you're somebody watching the television and you're trying to follow a story, you don't give a crap. And that's one of the kind of like biggest shifts I've been like making to like my, the way my brain works when I'm watching uh, wrestling, especially WWE. I'm trying my best to separate my, I guess, behind the scenes knowledge brain. I guess you call it the smarky fan and the more marky fan. <laughs> so the guy who knows all the backstage stuff and that kind of leaks into how he sees the stories, and the guy who purely does his best to just take in the stuff he sees on television, and that's the story he follows. If it's not on television, then it's not in the episode. Therefore, it doesn't really like feed into the stuff that much. Um, and in, in doing that, like there's very, very little reason to care about most of this show. Which is a shame. But they put on a good show. And it's, it's weird in wrestling, because that blurred line of criticising the characters you're seeing on television and the actors portraying them. Like in normal TV, that's not an issue. But when it comes to wrestling, or if you're criticising something, then it's like you are criticising them as a wrestler, which, uh, when I was writing my column this week, I put a whole section, like, trying to make it abundantly clear. Like, when I am, like, critiquing this, I personally feel like this is one of the most talented rosters WWE have ever had. Uh, if not from, like, in terms of the pure depth of it, maybe the most talented. But it's paired with the worst creative that they have had in, like, in, in the way that it works. The system of creative is one of the worst. And therefore, it doesn't matter the talent of them. Uh, like A bad script is a bad script, no matter the actor. And that's kind of the world of this WWE where I don't really feel invested in anything. It's just stuff happening. Um, this pay-per-view was that. It was stuff happening. That was often fun. There were some really cool spots. There were for some fun matches. But I, well, I didn't care. <laughs> really uh, I don't feel hyped for Wrestlemania after this show I feel more hyped after Raw last week it's uh, it's it's not going to really like long term it's not going to damage anything I'll just look at this night uh, like my column in big capital letters I was putting this is a waste of time and I don't really feel much different but I have I enjoyed the show more than I was expecting uh, I thought the I thought there'd be too much going on in the matches outside of the chambers for me to really get into them. But I managed it for most of them. Like I uh, I enjoyed it in spite of the crowd, which I think is, for me, quite a, an achievement, as the crowd is normally something that really takes me out of something. Where if they're evidently not enjoying it, that takes me out of the match normally. Tonight, maybe I was just tired enough to not give a crap. <laughs> it's been one of those weeks <laughs> where I, just, I came into this knackered, Really not looking forward to staying up and covering it. Uh, and then I enjoyed myself. 
like when you try and drag a kid to a swimming class and they they're like they adamant they don't want to go, but when they get there, they have a whale of a time. <laughs> and it's you know, maybe it was like that. <laughs> I was just tired, so I'd reverted back to moany younger child. <laughs> and then, then when I was actually there swimming, it's like oh, it's all right. Actually, I like swimming. <laughs> I know you like like wrestling. You talk about it every week, <laughs> and you write about it every week. Uh, but yeah, so. My, my kind of feeling is, in terms of the stories they were telling, there was no reason for this pay-per-view to exist. Every single beat on this show could have very easily been done without a, without Elimination Chamber or whatever. Could have very easily been done on Monday Night Raw or on SmackDown. There was nothing on this show that couldn't have been done like that. And really, like, as soon as it was after the Saudi show, there was no room to build to it anyway. So, like, a lot of the stuff on it, like, the interest level is going to be extremely low. Uh, but they often deliver when they've thrown these pay-per-views together. Like, even when it was, like, thrown into disarray, like, I guess, when we got that crazy tables, lads, and chairs pay-per-view. And Finn Balor, AJ Styles had a, a fantastic match. You got Kurt Angle becoming one of the Shield. <laughs> that was hilarious. But it was... Yeah, it was fine. Uh, yeah. I will go on to talking about the actual main event first. Uh, before I know with a lot of these aftershocks, the weirdly enough, with the again the aftershocks when I'm doing them live at this moment, I know a lot of people would tune in for like the beginning of it, and it's because I've done it myself. I will like tune out for the rest of it, and I'll, oh, I'll listen to the rest tomorrow. So I'll bang on about the main event before going to the next thing. Hello, person who's written in the chat. I'm looking down at my notes. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not, I've not grabbed your name, but I've noticed you. Uh, anyway. The main event for the Women's Elimination Chamber winner faces Raw Women's Champion Becky Lynch at WrestleMania, who was backstage watching television at a weird angle. Uh, In the match, Asuka, Sarah Logan, Liv Morgan, Shayna Baszler, Ruby Riot, Natalia. Uh, As I said earlier already, Baszler was put over a damn strong choke. She choked every single person out. But for the rest of the match, the first portion, which the crowd could not have cared less about. There were some decent spots, but they couldn't have cared less. Uh, something that always takes me out of Natalia's matches is when she tries to smack talk. She's never been particularly good at it. <laughs> and it was no different here. Like, do you like that, Liv? Do you like that? And Liv's like, yeah, 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 I like you beating up Ruby Riot. And it's like, yeah, like that. Take that. She was, she's never been good at the smack talk thing. <laughs> it's, it's normally, do you like that? And it's just like, uh, no, <laughs> I don't know. No. Yeah, that's a, like, no. <laughs> I was about to say something and suddenly realised I'm on YouTube, so I've got to censor myself. Um, the the match immediately went ring, I guess, adjacent, because it's the chamber. Uh, Ruby's head met the post. Natalia went into Liv Morgan's pod. Uh, Becky Lynch, I was watching backstage at a weird angle, if we've shown that. Um, with the relatively quiet crowd, you could hear every single like splat on the mat or uh, like every breath that was taking place. Like The crowd's... It felt like the crowd have only really, were only really taught to care about Asuka and Baszler, and until those two came out, you could expect a tad of quiet. I wasn't expecting as much as we got, because I was personally digging the story they were slowly building, but they evidently did not. <laughs> uh, again, with the context of the earlier show already not exactly having the best kind of reaction to it, then that feeds into this a little bit more. So yeah, uh, There were some nice spots, as I said earlier, like the power bomb. Uh, off of the thing with Ruby Riot hitting quite hard, Sarah Logan diving off the top. Um, but it was like a delightful pop, and then right back into sitting in polite quietness. 
like a Japanese crowd imported. <laughs> like I could even hear like individual whistles, like some. I don't know if it was wolf whistles because it was women, but it was definitely. I definitely heard whistling like we're sitting in an arboretum. <laughs> it's like there's like the lovely little birds swimming about. <laughs> Just like it was a really weird feeling. It only lasted a minute because then Shayna Baszler came in and like cut that crap out. But it was really weird just to be watching a chamber match and hearing whistles like but there were birds flying around it's so strange not a chamber feeling i've ever had before and that's not really a good thing because it was quiet enough to hear it uh but when baser stepped in there was that sudden injection of care uh baser went after everybody and made damn quick work of the former riot squad members that the crowd had just given no- next to no reaction for uh, she violently slammed the pod door into Natalia over and over, then ch- choked her out as well. Very rarely do you see someone like submit or pin outside of the ring in a chamber match. It's just a little nod there, I guess. Uh, where, where was I? Uh, the Cafuda Clutch was making quick work of everybody. Uh, Baszler ran through all three opponents in rapid fire. With all the time in the world to soak it in and wait for whoever the next victim was. So this was where I definitely saw the twist, I guess, for the reaction to this match. It was when Shayna Baszler was there, soaking in the atmosphere, taking quite a long time for between the pod ones. Like Honestly, I was sitting there, it's towards the end of the show, I kind of need to go to the toilet before going live with this. <laughs> and I was just... She was just taking... It was so long between Shane and Blaze eliminating someone and the next one. Like, in terms of pacing, this was a little bit too long. It was, like, easily enough time to check Twitter, come back, check Twitter, come... Like, it was way too much time. It was fantastic for me writing notes. It meant I could easily catch up. Like, with no difficulty at all. <laughs> so that was nice. Uh, but, yeah, I didn't... It, yeah, that's my, like, my main criticism with that. I really liked the character work that it was doing. Because uh, my, my one of my number one things with wrestling is storytelling, and this was a story. Uh, I put it on Twitter. I've made the after of the show at the Dome Implicat if you want to follow me. <laughs> but the the like, immediately my immediate reaction was this wasn't as much a match as it was a big story beat, and that's exactly what I meant when I was saying there was no need really for this show, and this beat could have been achieved on Monday Night Raw, just not in a chamber match. That um, this beat really of Shayna Baszler the badass just destroying a whole load of competitors to like really build her up, like yeah, you didn't need to do this in the main event of a pay per view, like doing this in this spot like it was always going to get a kind of quiet reaction, which is a shame, really, because it, it's building to an exciting match. It's just like uh, it's a bit of a flat feeling ending, even though I liked the beat. Yeah, it's a <laughs> difficult one. That's what I mean. It's difficult for me to explain. Uh, Liv Morgan was the penultimate one to leave her pod. Uh, she did her best to fight off the MMA last, but she got slammed hard into the pod. Uh, that looked like uh, one of those like really well-rehearsed things where if they don't do it right, she probably got a tad hurt. Um, but she was on the back foot from the off. Uh, she was shot back down whenever she tried to fight back in and ended up getting toyed with for the remainder of her time. Baszler then used her to send a message to Asuka, choking her out right in front of Asuka's pod. Then he got uh, a five-minute wait. It wasn't that long, but it felt like a while. Uh, then there were two. It, it was a unique situation with the two most hyped competitors going in, the only ones left, whilst there was one still left in their pod, so kind of just waiting for the um, thing to explode. But the crowd never really woke up. Like In this situation, you would hope that, this, in anticipation of Asuka coming out, that they would f- like wake up and like, oh, here we go, Shayna Baszler versus Asuka. This is something we should be excited for. 
And it's a match they nearly did on Raw, which is kind of crazy looking at it now. But it was... It never really woke up. It was a, there's some nice kind of bits that happened in this one, like some really fluid uh, back and forth on counters between the two. Like you saw, you saw the skill between them, but it was so rapid and kind of quickly in a moment that they wanted Baszler to quickly win again, and then it happened. And it was like she put up a fight, Asuka, but it was there. And the crowd, they'd already kind of turned on it. I liked again. I liked the beat of it. I just didn't think putting it in the main event of a pay per view was that wise of an idea. And Philly made them know that. They told them that. <laughs> they let them hear it. And it, yeah, it's a bit of a shame, I guess, that it ended up like that. So, yeah. I'm just going to check before I move on to stuff. I'm going to check all the messages everywhere because there's quite a few places to check. I can look about your name now, Rabia. Uh, the main event was so boring. Uh, I'll be interested to know which part it was of the match that that happened with. With me, it was Shane and Baszler waiting for, for about for ages that's when it kind of hit me. And you could, uh, you could really hear the crowd in the first portion of it. I was like, ah, oh, but it's building to Baszler. It's building to Baszler. Then Baszler happened and they didn't wake up. And then it was Baszler waiting around for ages. That's when it kind of dawned on me. Uh, I'll get to the other questions when I'm talking about those matches because it made it nice and kind of relevant. If anyone has any, any more related to any match, just put them out there. I'll, I'll read them when it comes to that time. But yeah, it was a interesting one, I guess. I'll go in reverse order of the card. <laughs> I've not done it in that order before. I normally do the main event and then jump to, I guess, the matches in order. But this was a really weird card where, like, aside from the chamber matches, there was nothing really that stood out of mid-card. So it, the order doesn't really matter. It's a strange feeling. Normally it's like a, WWE shows are, like for me, famous for having peaks and troughs. It's up and down like a roller coaster of caring, not caring. You can easily you can enjoy a match and then go make a cup of tea. <laughs> like it's that kind of feeling of a show. But this show never really broke out on mid card. It's really weird. Um, the entire show. Uh, one of my commenters on one of on one of my columns last week or the week before uh, suggested WWE doing a mid card kind of pay per view to showcase those that don't normally get featured, and. They then, like two weeks later, they did it. <laughs> Here with the Elimination Chamber. That was this show. And what happened? The crowd didn't care for a lot of the show. It's kind of what you expect where mid-carders don't get featured much. Turns out that the crowd don't haven't really been given a reason to care. So that's exactly what happens. Not everybody is an online internet wrestling nerd and knows everything. Watches NXT, watches New Japan, AEW. God, I watch a lot of wrestling. Like, not everyone is... In, as glued in as what everyone is. Like, I also try and keep up with a fair bit of the indie scene. Admittedly, now it's like surface level kind of stuff. <laughs> but I remember at one point I was a lot more into the indie scene. Uh, but yeah. So uh, nothing really stood out on the show. So that's Intercontinental Championship. Uh, Braun Strowman, Sami Zayn. Let's try that one again. Braun Strowman versus Sami Zayn, Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro. Uh, and good God, the time stretch in full effect... They got a full epic VTR, followed by like a five-minute promo in Gorilla from Sami Zayn. And finally, we get to the ring and underway after we've said hello to every single phone announced team. <laughs> I'm just like, oh my god, the stretching of this show. <laughs> it just really taking it. And I was, I was thinking, oh god, this is really cool. This pay-per-view is only like two and a half hours in. I was struggling to remember what match would be happening before the Chamber, which maybe speaks volumes to the build. Even though it's been heavily featured and it feels like it's at the oversaturated point, I still forgot about it, <laughs> about this IC match. But I 
yeah, it was just that feeling of very quickly I went from, oh God, it's for me, it's only half past two. This is cool. This is awesome. I can easily jump to doing Aftershock. I won't be too tired. That's great. Suddenly, as it took like 10, 15 minutes for Strowman's <laughs> icy time effects to get underway, I very quickly switched from, oh God, this is great, to why is this lasting four hours? This pay-per-view does not warrant four hours. <laughs> it's just, oh God, it hit me hard. Uh, this this was it. it. Which, for me, it tells me how good of a job for me they had done. Like, in spite of the dead crowd, in spite of having no build, it was thrown together. For me, I still enjoyed the show as a B pay-per-view. Like, if I'm rating this against their bigger pay-per-views, this falls well short, but it isn't. It's a B pay-per-view with a one-week build, and... The fact that it held my interest and I was generally enjoying it up until this point, that says something. It was properly downhill, really, in terms of crowd reaction and my energy levels from here on out. But yeah, it was good to, for that it happens. So uh, yeah, that stretching of the time, all that was felt, I really felt that. Uh, here I was happy the show might not go close to four hours. Oh, then this bloody <laughs> segment happened. Uh, so the story of the match was, can the big, big lad... Best three top quality wrestlers. Or at least three wrestlers who talk as if they're the best, but absolutely get battered when forced to put action to their words. Which is what I was expecting, because that's the way it's been built up on SmackDown, was it just screamed, Strowman is going to beat them up. (laughs) That's what it absolutely screamed. But they went with something a tad more realistic, where no, they are... Like they can back, they they have such strong words because they can back it up with their actions. They are incredibly talented wrestlers, and when all three of them team up, Braun Strowman doesn't have a chance. That's what they went with. Where I won't be surprised if now we're going to get Zayn versus Strowman at WrestleMania in a singles match, and then Zayn can get battered. But here, it was yeah, it was interesting. It's interesting that I just assumed they'd all get battered, and in my preview, it's just like it's kind of sad. Like this is a WWE thing they've done before. Like it's nothing new, nothing to go crazy over. But it's just that thing of three incredibly talented wrestlers being used to put over a big lad and make him look strong. Like it's I've always found it weird, even though it's nothing I get that kind of mental or crazy over. It's a it's an interesting tidbit for me that it's what WWE have done for quite some time. Like, just look back at the 80s. They did the same thing. Like, this is nothing new to do that, but the fact they actually had the three win, that caught me by surprise because, I guess, of WWE's or WWF's history. It's a nice shift, I guess, to do something like that. Yeah, The match was doing its best to build the three lads as a good team that were cohesive enough to be favoured to be the favourites to win, and then they did. It caught me by surprise. Uh, there were multiple like Kinshasa type of things, like not the full thing, and a double suplex where they then met in the middle with a helluva kick from Sami Zayn, and they won. It's like, oh, Sami Zayn is the new Intercontinental Champion because it was whoever pinned him won, and then they happily teamed together to let Sami Zayn win, which that is quite interesting. Like, I was, I joked at last WrestleMania after Nakamura had kind of fallen off the face of SmackDown and then suddenly turned up teaming with Rusev, and I was kind of joking. It doesn't matter how little Shinsuke Nakamura appears on SmackDown. He can just pop up at WrestleMania season and somehow still make the main card. <laughs> I, was like, I just like that if that happened. And it seems to have happened again, this time in the corner of Sami Zayn. Like, he and Cesaro could still be dropped, really, from this and end up on the pre-show in the Battle Royal, but... The fact that they could still make the card teaming with Sammy, or not teaming with Sammy Zayn, but walking out with him. I find that kind of cool. <laughs> that could happen. 
Uh, the crowd ended up singing Sami Zayn's themes like the babyface he was back when. Uh, it's the most noise that they made throughout the entire match. Like, there were very little reactions for this as well. Yes, so much talent in this, and I felt sad that I had so little reason to care. Uh, I've, uh, Smackdown's been my least favourite show by quite some margin. Like, it's not the style isn't for me, and then I, I don't rate the stories they've told on top of the way they're telling them. <laughs> so that really doesn't help. Uh, like, it's the a bad script is a bad script, no matter the actor. I rate the actors in this extremely highly. I don't think the story's any good, which is a uh, shame. A cool thing as well, uh, as far as I know, Sami Zayn is WWE's first ever Muslim champion as well. Wait, that's a that's a that's awesome that they've finally done that. <laughs> as well, they've got a lot of like things to check off, and, and and the first Muslim champion is awesome. So, yeah, I, I saw quite a few people on Twitter just like they're bringing it up, going, "Oh, this is awesome! This is great! I'm really excited about this!" So, like, awesome moment for them. I'm white Irish. <laughs> plenty of white Irish <laughs> way back when um, but I guess we get the reverse of this come Wrestlemania where Sami Zayn gets absolutely battered and that's the end of that so at least this match served a pirate mania purpose um, I honestly expected less <laughs> so kudos for expe- exceeding my zero expectations and scoring a two <laughs> well done WWE um, so quick with the comments uh, surprised that Sami Zayn won I yeah, I've just explained that I was also surprised that Sami Zayn won. Caught me by surprise. Which probably means... God, that's a tired sentence to say, isn't it? <laughs> Proof that I'm a little bit sleepy by trying to elaborate my sentence about how, how I was surprised that Sami Zayn won. I was like, I was surprised because, oh, I was, su- I was surprised. <laughs> oh, well said. There's no need to elaborate anymore. <laughs> I think that'll do. Uh, um... Raw, uh, um, also, uh, like, sometimes these shows have gone long, but I really have very little to say about this pay-per-view because it just was a B pay-per-view that was fun and it was fine, but I'm not... I'd give it a C. Yeah, as in, like, a C that isn't... Like, it's nothing crazy, but I've got not much to say. So I'll blast on to the Raw Tag Team Championship, Street Profits versus Rollins and Murphy. Uh, Street Profits with a great welcome. Like I talked about how quiet the crowd were. They were loud for this. They made noise. Uh, great seeing how all these guys are doing on the main roster right now. And time to cue the devious acts of the Monday Night Messiah. Uh, AOP were ringside with Rollins and Murphy. The presence, Their presence was felt throughout the first half of this match. Uh, first half, but the crowd... Like were dying during, which is they were doing. It was a fine match. It was nothing different than they'd done before, but they just died off <laughs> during this match. I don't know if it's. Be- I don't know what it was. Was it? Uh, yeah, there are multiple things that I brought up in my own column. But I was just calling it a waste of time. And um, one of the things I was calling for this is this is the third time these guys have faced each other in ten days. Like it's oversaturation at this point. It's the effect of the Saudi shows where they have to put something on of elf stakes on the on their show. But then when it comes back to the scheduled pay-per-view, that means that it's done one too many times, and I just don't care. <laughs> yeah, this match did what it needed to. It was fine. The the dead crowd surprised me a tad with this one. Uh, where, where, where the hell bloody was I? Uh, but yeah, it reminded me of a tag match like in between Rumble matches during the Royal Rumble, uh, where the crowd are happy to watch, but they're not... Well, they're not willing to make much noise for the thing. Like they'll happily sit there and smile and pop for the odd move, but they're not going to make that much noise. 
the AOP were quickly dealt with after their first interference after the Viking Raiders ran out as equalisers. They had a pre-show match. I didn't watch it. Four hours is enough of investment of my time plus this. Uh, plus I wrote the column I'm talking about. I wrote it today. <laughs> I put it up today as well. Uh, it's obviously immediately out of date, but I wanted to get a preview up before. And today was the first day I could post it. Anyway, um, a strong run for Rollins and Murphy followed, although in a slight worry the crowd were incredibly dead for this match, which obviously I'm going in reverse order than the notes I meant to read it in. <laughs> but well, uh, Only reacting really for Kevin Owens and the action soon after. Yeah, even Dawkins' hot tag got nothing. And it was a hot tag they've done a million times. It didn't really seem like it was any different than normal. Yet for some reason, on this occasion, nothing. Dead. Birds whistling. <laughs> Arboretum. Lovely sit in the park. Like, nothing. <laughs> there was nothing for it. Um, the match, was for me, was alright, though. Like, nothing spectacular, but fine enough that normally it would receive some noise. Again, not like you're sitting in a lovely arboretum. <laughs> but this is what we're getting. Um, the end came when Kevin Owens walked through the crowd and barricade holding a bag of popcorn. Uh, Rollins took offence and got a face full of popcorn for his trouble, followed by a charge from Dawkins telling him crashing into the barricade. And the double powerbomb to the barricade from the Street Profits followed. Uh, then it was back into the ring. Dawkins slammed Buddy Murphy down. He's not got Buddy anymore, is he? He's just Murphy. Slammed just Murphy <laughs> down into the mat, uh, followed by uh, Ford's Frog Splash. Well, I didn't know if he had a proper name, just Montez Ford's Frog Splash. Uh, such an amazing Frog Splash that man has, like one of my favourites. He gets such height with, uh, uh, yeah, it's awesome to watch. Uh, and that, and then they retained and moved on. The crowd were, they enjoyed that, but it wasn't like a massive thing. They were quiet again until Kevin Owens started doing stuff. Really weird. <laughs> Generally weird. Uh, after the match, KO got into the ring, set down his popcorn delicately, and stunned an irate Rollins, who was going mental at ringside afterwards as well. Uh, which Again, you could still sense that aura of quiet, again, during this. Uh, and there you go, that's your WrestleMania setup for those two. But man, was the crowd dead. Like, they popped for Owens, they popped for the big moves afterwards, or like Topes. Uh, aside from that, it was kind of like, yeah. Not, nothing really crazy. So, anyway, before moving to Styles versus Alistair Black, uh, read through comments. I definitely saw something about Buddy Murphy. Is Buddy Murphy turning face, in my opinion? In my opinion, no. Buddy Murphy... He, well, Seth, after the match, Seth Rollins yelled at him for mucking up. And... Uh, yeah, it's one of those where they're painting Seth Rollins as uh, a... A bit of a twasuk. Use <laughs> a British insult phrase. Where, yeah, he got overly angry at Buddy Murphy mucking up. But, of course, Seth Rollins was down during that time. So, in his character, is like he's going to lash out and blame Buddy Murphy. Not for him leaving Buddy Murphy 2-on-1. It's Buddy Murphy's fault for failing. Um, that's a very, very clever way in wrestling of of slowly like, kind of building up animosity between, I guess, the follower and the leader. Where the first few times it happens, the follower won't think any of it it's like oh yeah sorry my bad but over the course of time if you keep doing it and you keep showing the reaction of the follower like you can very easily develop like that that, that animosity will build to something it happens more often than not like Batista Triple H is a fantastic example of just slowly teasing stuff 
and they did, they did a decent job of replaying it on the uh, evolution documentary part of the ruthless aggression thing. It just very slowly built to it, and eventually, yeah, eventually it can laugh, like jump from something on there. So yeah. Anyway, AJ Styles versus Alistair Black. AJ Styles had his uh, mother-loving good friends. Well, he called it like the best tag team in the world or something like that. Uh, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson had joined AJ Styles, uh, the OC, all up inside. And they took on Lonely Boy, Alistair Black. I mean, that's, that's his gimmick's more than that. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so I, I did this match with full expectations of a great match until shock horror shenanigans. Uh, whilst the crowd chanted for The Undertaker. That was my prediction. Uh, which is pretty much what happened. <laughs> we got a lot more of a match than I was predicting, which is two thumbs up. Because uh, I was I was pessimistically going, well, starts to build, and then once we st- it starts to get exciting, that's when you do the stuff. It's like no, they actually went past that point and had started to generally. It was when AJ Styles was in danger of losing the match, that's when they jumped in. Because the story was AJ Styles was cocky. He's like, I'm going to beat this Alistair Black. He's nothing. I don't care that he's beating other people. I'm AJ Styles. Damn it. And yeah, that that caused him the loss. Event. I, I like that the fact that they did that. It's much better than what I expect. I was expecting, but I was expecting pessimistically, not what I would want to happen. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's a shame that the crowd were chanting the Undertaker, given the quality of the match. But it's the same as the rest of the card. There was very little reason to care for this. The setup was on Monday, and that was it. And it's straight into here with again the Saudi Arabia effect. Straight into the pay per view with like one episode's build, not really going to be mu- that much of a reason to care. But yeah, uh, the match built nicely, elevating from kicks to kendo sticks, from chair shots to tables set up at ringside. Uh, no DQ was used for more than interference, as AJ became cocky and a tad too confident, which was then displayed as oh he has. Um, after going ringside, things did not go well for Styles. Uh, commentators desk brawl, a meteora through the table later, and the phenomenal one was in dire trouble. Something equally sensed by Gallison Anderson, who interfered, levelling the playing field on Styles' behalf until. Dong! <laughs> oh, I've got, I'm losing my voice. <laughs> That's the best dong I can do. <laughs> I'm a <part> Dong! <laughs> I'm so sorry. My nose feels. Uh. It's so cold as well. <laughs> I can't do that long a dong without uh, my nose getting stuffed up, phrasing. It's you two. You don't want to get too monetized. Uh, the lights lift and Taker's holding the good brothers by the throats. Uh, turns round and chokeslam AJ Styles. A million times better than the gif I've seen of Taker chokeslamming AJ Styles at Super Showdown. Again, I don't watch the Shouty shows because I, I don't hate my life. <laughs> I just don't want them. Um... And yeah, so he looked really, really good. Uh, and the lights went down. Also, uh, The Undertaker had a, like the Ministry of Darkness goatee. Uh, credit to Stephanie Chase for catching that one. Uh, she was the one on my feed who pointed that one out. I was like, oh yeah, he really did. That's what he bloody reminded me of. Like Trimmed down to the goatee that he had as the Ministry of Darkness back in the 90s. Uh, lights back down. Undertaker disappears. The lights are back up. And Alistair Black rises. And he hits one hell of a black mass. That Styles took like an absolute champ. It looked amazing. <laughs> Just the way AJ Styles sold that was incredible. Um, also, side note, um, like 
I'm not going to lie, um, Undertaker and Alistair Black versus the OC has me way more interested than a one-on-one Taker versus Styles bout. Because Taker beating AJ Styles, I've got nothing in that. But if Alistair Black is with the Undertaker and helps him win, then uh, so at least got something built into the future to care about. He's not just, look at this cool legend of the past for the sixth year in a row, getting the <laughs> decent things. Like, uh, yeah, they've got to start actually... They've got to start they talk about burning the future quite strongly, but they've got to actually do it. And by actually do it, I don't mean suddenly push somebody to a top spot. I mean put in the work from like from months before and making you care about the character, then going ahead with it. Uh, the it's a it's a weird habit in WWE to do a sudden out of nowhere push and then like oh god, they said to push people. Then when we do, don't like it. It's like, you can't just suddenly elevate somebody without doing any work and expect the crowd to immediately attach themselves to them. You know, most of the time, this stuff, like, no, not everybody's going to be Kofi in the sense that, like, Kofi was, like, given to them on a plate. Uh, completely accidental, but it was like a gift and they turned it away. I mean, they went with it immediately. They didn't immediately turn it away. But they had him be champion, um... Really, I wouldn't call Kofi a... Uh, quite a few people I've seen, I've seen... It's weird to make sure people really liked Kofi's champion or people really hated him as champion. Personally, I thought he was a great champion in an awful period where he was never... Like, the world was so all over the place that he can't really rate anything as great or bad because that's not... Re- he can't really assess anything when the WWE, like, a whole company was in such a state that he can't really assess things like that black and white. It was so much more complicated than... Was he just definitely good or definitely bad? Like I thought he was good, but he was in a really bad environment. <laughs> this is the best way I can put it. Uh, I've drifted a tad, <laughs> I'll be honest. But yeah, what I mean is, like, Alistair Black, they've been slowly putting the work in, and for me the worst thing possible would be for him to play third wheel to the uh, under, to an Undertaker-AJ Styles feud. That's what I was fearing going into this match. However, they focus, switch the focus back onto Alistair Black and continue to make him look like a badass. So personally, what I would do... Because the Undertaker is that little bit older. Alistair Black can at least wrestle and inject some excitement into this match. So why not have him team with the Undertaker? And uh, Also, I think it was Gary Cassidy, I can't quite remember, uh, tweeted an awesome name <laughs> to do with the uh, a potential teaming. If you put Kane in there as well with uh, Black, Undertaker and Kane, you can call them the Brothers of Mass Destruction. It's like, oh, that's, yes. <laughs> that's an awesome name. <laughs> yes, go with that. Oh, yes. So shout out to Gary for that one. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, right, now we get to the other match that ha- was my, my favourite match of the night by Country Mile. Uh, this was, at this point, all three matches had delivered for me. Uh, after this one, the crowd very quickly died, and the perception of the pay per view got like lower and lower to a very flat feeling. Um, a flat again, a flat feeling where I agreed with the story bit. Beat. I'm a fan of the story beat. I think it's perfect for be, uh, building up Baszler. I think it was a massive mistake to do it ending a pay per view. That's all really. You do that on Raw. No one's butting an eyelid, and it's fine. You do it on the uh, to end a pay per view, yeah. <laughs> but this elimination chamber was the Michael Bay Transformers, the Fast and the Furious, just bang bang action. Who cares about if it makes sense? Bang bang bang! <laughs> All the action in the world, uh, and therefore I bloody love the thing. Uh, Kofi, Big E, and the Usos. Uh, started us off. Uh, Bright White Gear New Day versus Denim Boys in Denim. 
Uh, really an equal back and forth that ends in mutual respect. Uh, Big E had an Uso up ready for a doomsday uh, on his shoulders. Uh, only to have the other Uso save his brother last minute. Uh, they stood in opposite corners, stared at each other and waited for the countdown kind of like in mutual respect. Yeah, so a fun little opening thing. Uh, first out, the Lucha House Party. Uh, lots of flippy-do, injecting a whole dose of energy into the chamber. Uh, the two then climbed on top of uh, some cool double-team Lucha stuff. Uh, they climbed on top of a pod before fighting chaps off of the pods and uh, going flying for some awesome pops, like some cool dives off the top. This was kind of just the beginning of the Lucha House Party doing some cool stuff. Uh, got all of their S-word in. I have to say S-word because we're on bloody, bloody YouTube. And I can say bloody because it's an English one, not an American one. <laughs> American standards, it's got benefits sometimes. Uh, next team, it's the champions, Miz and Morrison. Uh, everyone was quickly taken down and we entered Stomp City because their bad guys can't be too flashy. Uh, awesome spot with Metalik running off the top of a pod into a Rana onto Morrison who was standing on the top rope. Uh, Morrison's time in Mexico probably taking... Uh, yeah, working itself in a little bit there as a positive to work with the Lucha style relatively well. Uh, Kofi fights back to take down Miz. Does all right until uh, Jomo's back. Who does all right until Big E runs in for some throws. Who does all right until Miz steps in with some Miz kicks. Uh, New Day uh, countered that and nearly pinned Miz via a powerbomb stomp combo. And on Twitter they said there's a name for that. But I can't remember what they said it was. <laughs> Uh, with Morrison only just saving the champions in time. Next out is Heavy Machinery. The crowd loudly chants for Otis. They chant for Otis as they walk down to the ring. Uh, that Mandy Rose storyline really has helped get that man over. Like It's personally not totally for me, but I 100% can see why people would love that sort of thing. It's a kind of uh, like WWE mid-card storyline you don't really see much of anymore. Uh, and they've done quite a good job of building it up without accidentally... like. Falling into old tropes that weren't quite wouldn't quite work today. They've done a really good job of kind of dancing that fun line, keeping it nice, nice and fun mid card without going too crazy. Uh, the big lads do some big lad wrestling. Down goes everybody. Uh, that's kind of putting them a bit simple uh, until they all run in for a kind of brawl. And let's say Dorado turns out he's climbing the top of the cage. And he flips down and round with a 450 from the top onto everybody. What? <laughs> that was crazy, Lindsay Dorado. Uh, heavy Machinery then just go to Grand Metalik. Lindsay Dorado's blatantly down. Go to uh, Grand Metalik and hit him with the compactor. And that's it for the Lucha things. Uh, hey, it was fun. It was nice seeing them booked for once. So uh, I guess to half an hour. See you in a bit, lads. <laughs> they, did all, they did all right, the Lucha guys. Like It's just a massive display of how athletic and talented they are and how flashy a team they can be. But there's going to be zero care past this once again. So, yes, yeah, nice seeing you for a bit, guys. <laughs> uh, last out is Ziggler and Rude, who team up with Miz and Morrison to try and take out Heavy Machinery. Uh, Dolph escapes by climbing a pod, but doesn't realise Tucker climbed up on the other side, uh, head into the plastic glass, and then Tucker launches Ziggler into the arms of Otis. Uh, and then he just drops him onto the ropes. <laughs> so nothing too crazy. Uh, that's because the crazy thing's coming next as Tucker launched himself off the top of, of off the top of the pod onto a pile of lads with a somersault. Like I forgot how athletic that man was in NXT. Like fully displaying it here. Yeah, not great for Otis though, because just like with Lisa Divado earlier, uh, when Tucky did that, that meant that Otis suddenly had to fight off Rude and Ziggler by himself. 
partly Otis's fault. He just dropped the guy on the ropes. <laughs> like, not going to take that guy down for that long. Uh, you're only doing Otis. Um, he seemingly, though, finally does it, and he goes to charge at Ziggler, who kind of just pushes him out of the way, and Otis goes charging through the pod and the chamber, flying to the outside in a really cool spot. It's one of those where it's really cool when you watch it live, but when they keep repeating it, it's one of those where the two plastic glass things that popped out are clearly kind of just give it for him to charge through, and they just pop out so easily. <laughs> that kind of, for me, it's one of those that it ruins it on repeat viewings off the spot. But when it first happens, like, oh, that was cool, <laughs> and uh, made me laugh. That Cole exclaimed, "In ten years of chamber matches, I've never seen that. Oh, I've never seen anything like that." And I was sitting there thinking, well. Given it was literally impossible in the previous design, yeah, probably was the first time we've seen that. This is the, what, third, fourth year? Fourth, fourth, 2017, wasn't it? 17, 18, 19, yeah. Yeah. Also, the trailer continues of 2017, Fantastic Chamber. 2018, pretty crap. Uh, with them building to, like, heal Braun Strowman to only... Who destroys everybody and then loses, like, one spear. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's a bit crap. It's a... Great Chamber, F Chamber, Great Chamber, and with Kofi Kingston last year, an all-time Great Chamber last year, to uh, F Chamber this year, and a fun one. So, yeah, it doesn't really break a great... <laughs> so, uh, with Otis down, uh, obviously, no one cares about Tucky. So Ziggler and Rude take him down, Glorious DDT and Heavy Machinery are the second team eliminated, as Tucker ch- picks up Otis, and they, they try to get the crowd cheering for him, and carries him to the back. Um... As Rude and Ziggler ironically wave away their opponents, they turn round into a trouble of paradise from Kofi, a big ending from Big E, followed up by a double Uso splash from the top of the pods. One, two, three, and Dolphin Bobby are out of here. A uh, score pinfall, you're up next to uh, be eliminated, booking style, I see. Uh, that dies pretty quick. Uh, Usos and New Day have new- no time for Miz and Morrison. And suddenly it's the heels on the bad end of the numbers game. A stomp city from the four as they get their own back for earlier. Uh, awesome back and forth between New Day and the Usos followed. Uh, yeah, once again, faces team up to take down the bad guys and then they face each other. So, yeah, but the way they did it was really cool where one person from each team super kicked the other. Like all four of them went for it and then it was like equally one on one. It's like, oh, that was great. Uh, like, these two teams are so great at having that even match where both teams are bettering and countering the other like this is so equal like all the more fun it turns out in the chamber uh, a, a big spot with Kofi climbing to the top of the pod just like last year he's going for that big moment he climbs to the top for a mighty frog splash but just like last year he misses again and Miz and Morrison slide in and steal the three we're down to our final two and I, I, I didn't see as much hate for that moment as I was expecting but I don't know if that's the people who were supporting Kofi just giving up, or if that was a, oh, it's a fine spot, it was a callback to last year. Like the, the exact same moment ended it again. So, eh. A great spot with uh, with the final two of Miz and Morrison versus the Usos, where Miz and one of them, uh, had one of them in a figure four leg lock, but, but Miz was grabbing onto the ropes, so they couldn't escape, and Morrison climbed to the top, hit Starship Pain, and he's like, oh, surely this is over. With uh, the figure figure four still locked in, and Morrison goes for the pin, uh, but it's broken up, and John Morrison was rolled up by the other Uso. Suddenly, Miz being in the figure four has him trapped, and he can't break up the pin. 
It's like, oh, just a complete reverse of momentum and circumstance. I love that. Uh, it's an awesome switch there, of, of circumstances there. Uh, a cool finish, too, with Miz and Marston rolling up one of the USOs and legally using the ropes to secure the pinfall, just packing down the weight. It's like, yeah, they uh, cheated in the best way possible for me. It was like full op- full opportunist. <laughs> I was a, a big fan of it. Uh, the champions retain in a fun tag chamber match with some nice weaving of big moments. Uh, the Otis Ziggler rivalry was well done without it becoming the focal point. Uh, can of Coke for whoever booked that. Uh, like a fun action movie where you never really start to get behind the characters, but the action sure is damn fun. D- yeah, like, yeah. As I said, for like m- most of the card, this chamber was like the... It was a positive... Like the, maybe the women's chamber was the negative side of what I was talking about earlier, but this is the positive side of that same coin where I'm not super invested in what was happening. However, the matches themselves I thought were going to be fun. And yeah, both chambers for me are that same coin, just different sides of it. Uh, uh, the second match of the show, United States Championship, Andrade, the champion team uh, who is walked out by Zelina Vega versus Humberto Carrillo. Uh, Humberto's 27th rematch, and you don't need to look that up, that's accurate. <laughs> Will he win this time? These two are great together. I'm just done with seeing them together right now. Where So I have actually looked it up. As far as I know, uh, Humberto has had four championship chances within a four-month span, but also forget not forgetting that Andrade had a month off and Carrillo had a month off. So it's been like two and two close to each other both times, and I'm just I'm, I'm done with it. I'm ready to move on. Yeah, I feel like it's going to be some form of like Latino four-way at WrestleMania, but I don't know what if it's going to be grander than that, or if, what kind of together they'll have. Would it just be Andrade versus Rey, and they won't really have Gaza and Humberto involved? Uh, I don't know. They could be fine Battle Royal guys because it's their first one. I'm not going to throw a fit over that. Yeah, like, Andrade's earned his spot definitely, and Angel Gaza like screams future, but he's not been there that long. And then Carrillo, you know, he's it won't really hurt him to be in the Battle Royal. I think like him being on the main card will probably help him more. That's why I go with the four way. But it's not the end of the world if they don't. But anyway, the match itself, um, Andrade immediately hit hard with that spinning reverse elbow or Judas effect, as somebody called it on Twitter, uh, forcing Carrillo to fight back from the get go. Uh, Mr. Dimples gave it a good go, uh, but the champion had something else in mind. It was now and then jumping out to the outside of the ring. Uh, teasing that ringside concrete spot that took Andrade out for a month. It's like it's an interesting dynamic, having the heel seek revenge for being on the end of such an attack would normally be the other way round. Uh, the man still felt like a dick, though, when he was like going to ringside to do it, even though he was so just in doing so. Humberto fought back pretty strongly, nailing the athletic comeback as the crowd was popping. Uh, keep in mind, at this point, because I'm doing it in reverse... At this point, the crowd was extremely optimistic. It was really enjoying the show. Twitter was a really nice place at this time. It was like, oh my god, I'm really enjoying this pay-per-view. And for me, and that, that was me being Twitter, but now to switch to me being me, uh, I was I was still in that zone of, I don't really care about the outcomes, but it, it, but it is fun. For me, this is a, it was at that point of, this is the perfect B-show. Like, very little investment, but it's a fun and a blast and it flies by. It's like no harm done kind of thing was what I was... That's the kind of feeling I was at this point. And uh, 
Yeah, so Humberto fought back. The biggest spot for him in his big kind of fighting back moments was hitting one mighty top rope Rana uh, with um, Andrade himself standing upright on the top rope and Humberto hitting a mighty Rana. That's kind of awesome. Uh, in the end, it was Vega who was the one to fully rip up the ringside mat to expose the concrete. Uh, Carrillo with a massive plancher to the outside, only minorly avoiding the exposed area. Uh, it looked like at this moment he had the momentum. He launched off the top rope with his kind of backwards falling headbutt thing. Uh, but in the end, Andrade rolled him up and pulled on the tights to cheekily snatch the victory. And the commentators argue as if it's the most egregious thing to ever happen in wrestling. Yeah, but in the end, poor Dimple Bot 3000 lost again. So, will his Dimples earn him another rematch? <laughs> Are they that fire? <laughs> He's going to just get another one. <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway. Time to uh, within an hour. Which I told you these would be quick. This would be quick. So don't don't have anything to say, <laughs> really. Uh, WrestleMania will be a chore. There might be something massively different for WrestleMania. So I likely won't do an aftershock unless we go live for like thirty twenty minutes because there's a, ma- a there's potential for a massive uh, thing to happen. Then so I'll be a little bit busy and also knackered. <laughs> given the end of it so I might not be able to do an aftershock anyway we'll talk about that later uh, Daniel Bryan versus Drew Gulak the opener of the show I'll also read questions that didn't really fit into matches after this so if there's anything before I wrap up throw them out be it on Spreaker be it on YouTube or on t- I'm not checking Twitter I guess if you want to you can send it me but I'm not looking at it <laughs> uh, Daniel Bryan versus Drew Gulak uh, technical wrestling to open a pay-per-view um, oh, this is proof this really is a thrown together B pay per view. <laughs> but also, it's the kind of match you really don't see in WWE. Like, especially, like, open a show. I say especially open a show, it's at all, really. Like, I'm thinking back to when William Regal was opening pay per views. Like, it's been quite a long time since a match anywhere near like this opened a show. Um, it really has been quite some time. It showcased Gulak uh, getting the better of Brian. Uh, often throughout the match, like showing that he is his, he could easily be his equal, like really taking it to Daniel Bryan, um, establishing him as a on some level of threats, which was not really evident from the SmackDown build. It felt like, oh, he's going to be, yeah, Daniel Bryan's going to make a mockery with him on pay per view. Like, no, Gulak held his own, uh, able to equal the known and popular lad, especially in the earlier stages where he's blocking almost everything. Obviously, as the match progresses, those the frequency died down, but he still had that thing that was set up earlier on in the match, coming back to fight. Uh, lots of blocks and grapple reversals. Uh, Gulak seemingly getting the final note on everything in these first stages. Also targeting the neck as Brian fought back. Uh, a, a big suplex taking the two over the top ropes seemed to be a momentum turning point. Uh, a back and forth exchange ended with a snap Saito from, uh, from Gulak as well, which was pretty strong, which continued the targeting the neck. A uh, kind of message of the match. Yeah, the turning moment really was a high suplex from Gulak. As I need to drink some water, I realise it's been an hour without me stopping. Hmm. Smart people would have either booked a guest <laughs> or they do adverts. <laughs> Not me, one hour straight. There we go. <laughs> I'm a little bit crazy. But anyway, uh, Tony Moe was a high suplex from Gulak and a scary book from Brian right on the top of his neck. 
Yeah, with his well, by, top of his head with his neck bending, which is even I don't know if that's worse. It's <laughs> pretty bad. Uh, Drew, interestingly, Drew lifted Daniel Bryan's head for the pin, and that was either a precaution after that high bump, or a nice little touch to sell the seriousness of it. So yeah, uh, the following ten counts where Daniel Bryan fell to the outside after that. Uh, the 10 count following it seemingly re-energised Daniel Bryan as when he got back into the ring he was flying with his kicks and knees and everything. Uh, Gulak got one last big note however with a reverse suplex from the top rope nicely shifting into the dragon suplex afterwards. Right, the match ended with some damn smooth submission reversing and Daniel Bryan causing his opponent to pass out from the yes lock via a lovely reversal into the thing, out of the dragon suplex. Smooth as silky, silky smooth, give me silky. <laughs> you won't get that last reference if you've not played Dark Souls 2. I didn't do the voice either, so it's even more niche. <laughs> uh, but that was the show. Lots of people really enjoyed the opener. I, uh, I'm i not a massive fan of the technical kind of wrestling style. It's one of my, I guess, my hottest take is I, find, I found Bobby Fish when he's solo wrestling just a little bit boring. That's my hottest take on wrestling. <laughs> so yeah, because he's good what he does. Just what he does isn't really uh, in for me. And I guess this is what this is as well. Like, I'm not a massive technical wrestling guy. But it was still a good opener. And, it, and because we don't see it that often, for me, that made it more special. Uh, it, I don't know if it'll be remembered past really this show. Because again, this really fit the feeling of B-Show. There's something about this match where even though it was good, it set the tone. And that tone for me was, again, enjoyable but non-consequential. That was the kind of feeling of this show. Uh, and, yeah, again, a fine match to do it. Anyway, reading through, I've not checked uh, Spreaker. That's why I'm saying questions. All right, it's just the one then. All right, so, uh, final question to kind of send us home. Send me to bed. It's 4 a.m. I'm going to enjoy going to bed after this one. <laughs> so, um, final question regarding WrestleMania. And moving on, formerly MJ Chamber, it's only four weeks away, WrestleMania, so get ready for that. Will Triple H have a match at WrestleMania? If yes, against who? Hmm. At this point, four weeks out, I kind of hope it's a no, because there's been nothing. Which, again, that's nice and different for them to kind of back away from that. But oh, if it, if he is to face anybody, who would it be? Oh. But I'll be honest, like the dream matches I was thinking about earlier in the week were like AEW, WWE. I was like, oh, for me it'd be Triple H, Cody, because they both would like, well, I'm assuming they'd both like to do that. <laughs> It'd be quite a good cool one. Um, but actually, in WWE, who should Triple H face? The issue is SmackDown's been so all over the place. They've not built or established anyone, really. So you do, I don't want to see him face Baron Corbin, even though that's one that's immediate, like King versus King. Oh, that feels so like it'd be the one. No. <laughs> um, I guess I wouldn't mind Alistair Black if they're not doing that thing with The Undertaker. But it'd be something where they need to establish somebody. And the guys who kind of need establishing are still in their current feuds, I guess. So I, I don't want it, but it would be Baron Corbin, wouldn't it? <laughs> and it's, it's not really asked as if who would I want to see. It's like, who do I think he might face? It's like, oh... Baron Corbin jumped out at me as King versus King, one of the most boy, and I wouldn't care less. <laughs> so let's say that. Oh, what a what a what a sad answer. <laughs> to a, what a sad answer to a, a question that gave genuine intrigue, and I've gone with boring Baron Corbin Triple H. <laughs> like, oh dear. Uh, well, I'd have Baron Corbin lose, so you can have your veteran winning there, 
Uh, Undertaker, Alistair Black as well. They could do that there. Oh, there's a lot of legends already, isn't there? But yeah, the fact Triple H isn't on WrestleMania, I see that as a positive, but then the other side is you've got The Fiend facing the veteran who's not really there, John Cena. Uh, same with Roman Reigns versus Goldberg. Same with AJ Styles versus Undertaker. Like, it's one too many on in an era where that feeling of the mo- not moving past that era is like really looming and they're paying for the consequences of it right now. Uh, so, yeah. Anyway, my eyes are starting to get blurry. I can feel that I really should go to bed. <laughs> so I'm going to do it. This pay-per-view, it was an interesting one where I'm never going to watch it again. Maybe I'll watch the tag match, but uh, I really enjoyed the last tag match as well. I don't know if this one was like any better than that. But they're fun and enjoyable, uh, and that's kind of all they need to be, and it's perfect. It's like the rest of the card. This was the peak moment for me, that tag match. Yeah, it's, uh, it's an odd one of... A relatively enjoyable, not super high, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> Again, I'm really struggling because I did enjoy it, but it was nothing crazy. So, yeah, uh, I, I enjoyed it for what it was. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, thank you for listening to this entire show. Uh, what's talking about with WrestleMania, there's a chance that I might be doing a massive watch along with my former co-host, Byrne, who's been wanting to do that for years to the point where it's no longer like a new idea but he's been wanting to do it for so long that surely now I've got the ability to do it via Laws of Pain Pain YouTube channel we can finally give it a go and do it so that is the plan to do one massive watch along with even if nobody watches just to to do it once (laughs) and do it with the massive event of Wrestlemania will be a bit of an ask especially with my in and out internet so we'll see how that goes um, but anyway, I'll be back on Thursday with my weekly Loves of Pain radio show, talking stuff in the wrestling. Uh, I don't think I've got a guest this week after I've had a string of them recently. Uh, also, uh, please listen to the other shows. I've not, I've not bloody got the bloody thing up. <laughs> Let's just minimise the million programmes you need to run this. Right. So, please do check out the other LOP radio shows. On Tuesday, we've got. The Kingdom of Honor with Jamal and his friend Jeff talking Ring of Honor and uh, sometimes AW if they miss Dynamite or whatever. Uh, Wednesdays was planned sports entertainment. It's dead if you want to go into the archive and listen to all of those. Uh, the spot is currently kind of taken up because late on Wednesdays we've got Dynamite After Dark immediately following AW Dynamite again with Jamal and Jeff covering the show immediately after. Uh, then after that on a Thursday, that is when I am live with my show. And on Fridays we have got the Legacy series talking about NWA and all that stuff. Uh, Saturdays reserved for AEW Aftershocks, Sundays WWE Aftershocks. And with that, I say thank you for listening. I'm going to piss off to bed. Lose my monetization in the final minute. I've done so well. I've <laughs> done so well. Uh, anyway, thank you for listening. I'll be back soon. I'll- I'll rest. Oh, I need to end it. Follow me on Twitter at the Damn Implicat. Read my columns on Laws of Pain. My column this week was a preview of Elimination Chamber. So again, immediately out of date. But I wrote it. I don't know. It counts as like engagement is good. Like, like this video. Subscribe on the LP YouTube channel. If you're listening on the podcast version, rate five stars on whatever you're listening to. It really helps out the channel. It really helps out the site and all the kind of stuff tied to it as well. Uh, again, and with that. I say thank you, and I bid you adieu. Adios. And...
blimmin' podcast people. I've got so many windows open. <laughs> podcast people, thank you for listening. Uh, I will be, again, back on Thursday doing all this talky stuff all over again. It's been quite a lot with AW Revolution, Super Showdown, and this within a small window. It feels like there's been a lot, even though I didn't watch one of them. And I feel like it was a wise decision. <laughs> so I very nearly just went, you know what, this pay-per-view's not worth it before watching it. Um, I'm not sure whether it was the right or wrong thing to do. <laughs> it's such a weird one coming out of it. I don't know whether it was time-wasted or not. I was so certain it would be before I went in. And afterwards, I'm like, oh, I mean, some of it was fine and good. Like, I'm glad I watched some of it, but I, like, the majority of the card, there was no need for me to even pay attention. <laughs> I didn't really care. Uh, Anyway, uh, just send in your words of what you think on Twitter and whatnot. I will be reading through. Uh, And with that, I bid you adieu. Thank you for listening again and adios.